The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No! He did it! Yes! He did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Hey, just a couple things. First off... Where's my Lamar Jackson guy on the text line? He was back on Friday, right? He was back on Friday talking about how, how uh, you know, Lamar was going to choke. Just wait till they move him to wide receiver. Yeah, wait until they, they move him to wide receiver. Where Where is he? That's all I'm saying. I know he's. I know if the Ravens lose either this weekend or in the Super Bowl, I know he's going to show up. I would respect it if he at least showed up now. Come on, man. Also, Josh Allen, cap hits. 2019, 4.8 million. 2025, 5.9 million. 2021, 10.2 million. 2022, 16.4 million. This year, 18.6 million. Josh Allen's cap hit next year is 47 million. <laughs> is it time? Is it time yet to start having a conversation about Josh Allen? No? No. Okay. Well, it is time to have a conversation. About the Sacramento Kings with our good friend and Sacktown Sports Kings insider, Frankie Carcelli. Good morning, Frankie. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Nice to, to talk to you again, Dave. It's been a little bit. It has been a little bit. How you been? I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm not sure everybody else out there is feeling with the, the Kings this, this soon after a fun weekend for, for the 49ers, for all my 49ers, Kings hybrid fans, but... uh Time to turn the page and, and strap in for what many hope to be uh, the first win in a while tonight. I don't know what triggered this memory, which obviously I've been showing today. My memory has been failing quite a bit lately. Uh, Jason, remember, do you remember last week as an aside? Uh, it was after one of the losses, and I came in and I said, you know what, I've turned around a little bit because I said I'm choosing to go with this. Somebody said that this is normal struggle, that Michael Malone missed the playoffs the first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, that this is how championship teams are built and that I need to calm down. Remember I said yes. that? Turns out – go ahead, Frankie. No, you're good. I thought you were, I thought you were asking me if I remember. No, 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 no. I came on the show and I did that, but I forgot, I didn't know another part of the story. Turns out the person that told me that on Twitter was Coach Brown's son. Really? I had no idea. It was just a guy, and I resp- and we had a back and forth, and it was good back and forth. Okay. Um. And then somebody pointed out over the week and was like, "Hey, man, coach's son got you." And I went, "What are you What are you talking about?" And then they sent me the tweet. It was Elijah Brown, mm-hmm. one of his one of his sons. I had no idea. There you go. So there, and I actually, and the funny thing is, without knowing who it was, I was like, "That's actually a really good point." So Frankie, lessons learned. I hope coach's son, who pointed it out on Twitter to me, is correct. And these are just simply growing pains. And they're working it out, which I refuse to believe, but I'm going to try to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think last year's was so, I don't want to say perfect, but last year was just so, like, memorable. And, and everything kind of went right for the Kings as far as you look at what happened. Is I mean, they, the accolades, they speak for themselves. The coach of the year, clutch player of the year, all-rookie person for Keegan Murray, two all-stars, two all-NBA nods, um, home court advantage. I mean, the Kings were the best road team in the Western Conference last year. And I'm looking at the standings right now, and they're the only team in the top eight that does not have a record above 500 on the road. Just looking at last year, injury from an injury standpoint, everything went right. 
And this year we're kind of seeing that mixed bag of, of results that a lot of teams normally get through the grind of a regular season. And it is, again, we've all, I think we've all talked about it because it's been a long break, but uh, the fact that Kings have the same record at this point that they did last year, except last year they were a four seed with the same record. This year they're the eighth seed. It just speaks to how, how competitive the Western Conference is and, and how much last year everything kind of went in the Kings' way. I mean, again, I know people kind of turn their nose up at the fact that the Kings – they don't want to use it as a reason, like their health, that their health is the only reason why the Kings where they were. But I think that there's a very, it was a very, very, um, you know, it's very helpful to have all your guys available when you need them. And the Kings have had their guys available for still a high percentage of these games this year, but a lot more bumps and bruises. I mean, De'Aaron Fox was a step slow over the past couple of weeks, and uh, there's no indication that he's playing injured or anything like that. But he's mentioned, you know, there's there's some things you feel over the course of a season, and you got kind of you kind of got to deal with them. Um, but right now, it's kind of more deeply rooted than that. I think that. It is a group that is trying to make things work, and maybe it's the fact that the NBA has a chance to adapt to how the Kings' offense runs. They're still top 10 in points per game, but um, their pace is slowed, and that's going to happen. I mean, teams are going to adjust in the NBA. I don't, I don't think it was fair to expect them to come out and have the same exact results as last year, but it's funny enough that the, re- the record reflects that, but the rest of the West has definitely gotten better. So that, that obviously will affect where the Kings are. Talk with Frankie Cardicelli here on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Frankie, how about – uh, halfway through 23 and 18, as you said, the same record as last year, but it's kind of different in the standings. If you were to guess for this, the back half, the second half of the season, would you predict about the same at 23 and 18, better, worse, kind of based on where they are right now? What do you think of the second half? Yeah, I mean, from a strength of schedule standpoint, I think they, they have one of the harder remaining schedules in the league, which that, that's obviously daunting at this point. And a seven-game road trip is going to teach us a lot, I think, as well. Again, like I said, the Kings are 10-10 and 10 on the road, only team in the top eight that is not above 500. So, yeah, I think that the, the, the pace they're on right now, which would be a similar record to last year, I think I think 50 wins would be a great target, but the Kings obviously have to pick up the pace a little bit. But um, it's hard to put my finger on it, what to expect. I mean, we, we don't know who we're going to get every single night. Like, just – Tonight, I mean, another another team that will be missing two starters. Trey Young and, and DeAndre Hunter will not be playing tonight for Atlanta. And the Kings have just not r- risen to the challenge every time they play these teams that are missing key guys. And it's, it's really jarring. It's really puzzling. There's no clear answer why. Maybe it's it's the fact that they're letting their guard down. Maybe there's no sense of urgency like we saw on Friday. But it just depends on what team you're going to see every night. And like we saw in Milwaukee and Phoenix, the Kings offense looked incredible. And then you have a couple of bad minutes at the end of the game. And it slips away. So um, my expectations are I'm expecting a similar record to last year. I'm I'm expecting a 46 to 48 win finish. I don't think that gets you in the top six in in this season in particular. I mean, the West is just really crazy right now. Um, And the plan, I know, is something that a lot of fans and the team want to avoid. But I think the Kings need to obviously pick it up a little bit if they want people to start believing they can be a team that can, you know, clinch a first-round series or even host one if that's still in the cards. But – uh, this team's kind of working some things out right now. Frank Cardicelli joining us. We've got the trade deadline not that far away. And we want to look back at the first half of the season, but I want to just check in with you on this. And, you know, we've heard this team connected to half the league, uh, whether it's Clint Capella or Kyle Kuzma, which seems to be an annual thing. Um, I asked Jason and, and, and Chris about this because there were rumors over the weekend that the Kings were one of three teams interested in Charlotte's Miles Bridges. And when you look at Bridges' numbers and the position he plays, he would be a a heck of an upgrade at small forward. 20.5 points, seven boards, three assists, 
Um, from a player standpoint, he'd be a great addition. Um, but as you know, and for those who don't know, there's a lot of baggage that would come with that, uh, mainly his his no contest to felony uh, uh, domestic violence uh, in front of uh, his kids, um, a probation violation stemming from that, including throwing pool balls at a car uh, with his partner in there. Um, we normally stay out of the personal lives of players. That's the way it should be. How do you think, and this is an incredibly unfair question for you, Frankie, but you, you live here, you know, the fan base. How do you think that goes over here? Do you think it would eventually roll over? Or do you think this is a town that would have a massive and very loud problem with that? I mean, I think it'd be a very, very, very loud problem. I mean, the, the backlash of social media when that was, um, you know, when that was released over the weekend, yeah. and that was it was completely not even close. I mean, if you were to take a Twitter poll, I'd be I would be shocked if it wasn't 100 percent. If anything else, maybe 99 percent. I mean, yeah, you can't argue the fact that uh, Miles Bridges as a basketball player is, is is a very strong talent, and again, a guy that from a positional standpoint, sure. I mean, I think that the the player ability would help the Sacramento Kings, but everything else has to be taken into account, and we've seen the Kings bring in reclamation projects over the years and, and there's a lot of jokes on social media about that too why the kings always have to be the reclamation project or, or petri dish and i just think at a time where we're talking about the chemistry of this team in this locker room and the guys talk about even through the struggles the monos and bones in the locker room is like yeah like we are we are together like we we are we love each other there, there's no question like there, there's no you know, tension building in the locker room we're just going to figure it out like we are a family I think if you throw a guy in that is probably the most polarizing player in the NBA right now from the standpoint of should he or should he not be playing, um, I think if there's a question of should he or mm-hmm. for a group that's currently going through struggles, trying to figure things out, um, I just think the, 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 pro, the cons outweigh the pros immensely, especially when you look at what has been going on around the league as far as how other fan bases view him and other coaching staffs down the line. I mean, I think that there's something that that's something that would not help this Kings team at all right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone out there, I'm sure is going to have their own opinion. It's just, I, that's how I feel. I think a lot of people agree. Um, I just think when you're looking at the Kings and what they're trying to build right now, adding that to the, to the equation, it, it's just not going to help them. Not, not many, any means at all. What's the area of need, Frankie, you think they need to address the most here with the 17 days from the deadline? I'm looking at, again, like this, a, a guy like Kuzma, if, if Kuzma, Dorian Finney-Smith, those are some players the Kings have obviously had interest in. And I feel like any move they're going to make that's notable at this point, it's going to require a first-round pick. And it's just a matter of is it going to take one or two if they choose to make a move like that because that's what the asking price is for long wings, like guys like those that I just mentioned. Um, but that's what they need more than anything. They need a guy that can defend the three and four positions. Uh, we've seen opposing players like Anthony Edwards, Kevin Durant, and down the line, those guys that can go get you buckets 20, 30 a night, the Kings have really had a hard time slowing them down. And Keegan Murray has been taking steps forward and becoming a better defender. Um, but the Kings need more help. I mean, they, they right now they have one or two strong defenders on the court at all time. When De'Aaron Fox is, is fully engaged, he's a good defender. And then Keegan Murray, outside of that, I mean, they don't really have any stoppers. I mean, Davion Mitchell is out of the rotation. Kessler Edwards is a guy that has defensive the ability, but the offense isn't really there. And right now he's in the G League trying to get some reps in. So I feel like they need more guys on the team that can be stoppers. I mean, they tried it with Chris Duarte, but again, he he, he has a tr- some trouble uh, playing defense without fouling. They need some guys that are defensive specialists. 
I know Matisse Seibel is a name that, that a lot of fans are looking at. And, again, Portland, I'd be shocked if they didn't move a couple of those guys that they acquired over the past year. Um, but those kind of guys are what the Kings need. The offense is still great. I mean, the offense is top ten in the league um, in points per game. They have guys that can get you points. But getting stops, getting timely stops, getting consistent stops like we saw uh, down the stretch of that Phoenix game. In Indiana, the Kings really struggled in, in containing the paint. T.J. McConnell was attacking the Kings in the paint. That that just can't happen uh, for a team that's trying to go as far as the Kings are. So defense really, I think, is the priority. It has been. I mean, the story goes on and on. And, you know, maybe someone like a knockdown free throws wouldn't hurt either. Yeah. I mean, that's that's also something, again, there's no easy fix to that either. I mean, people are asking, what can the Kings do? And I, I've been telling people, Brendan Nunes and I tell fans all the time, like, we, we are in there at the end of every practice, and they are knocking down free throws. They're shooting free throws every practice. It's not a matter of if they're not practicing them. It's just, I don't know. It's just an un, unexplainable you know, situation as far as the Kings are knocking down free throws. It really doesn't make sense. But uh, I'm looking at those kind of areas to, for upgrades. Kings insider for Sacktown Sports, Frankie Carcelli joining us. Looking back at the first half of the season, we are at the halfway point, 23-18. and 18. And uh, Jason has, has done the uh, questions here and broken them into three each. So I thought maybe we could just rotate uh, and each of us pick. Uh, one that we think. So, Frankie, we'll put you on the spot here a little bit. I'll give you a second. I'll go first. Best wins this season. I'll start uh, in retrospect, record-wise. It may not be up there, but from an emotional standpoint, I'm going to go with the one-point home victory over the Golden State Warriors. Big comeback. Uh, Huge comeback. That was uh, Tuesday, November 28th. Kings were down huge in that game. Came back, won that game by one point. That was after already losing uh, to Golden State twice during the season, one of which in heartbreaking fashion. And then, of course, the preseason and last, last uh, you know, spring and the playoffs. So uh, my submission would be uh, November 28th against Golden State. Jason? Best win for me, I think uh, I'm going to go the one at Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, that handed Minnesota their first loss. The Kings played really, really well. Also helped the Kings in that time in the uh, Group C of the yes. in-season tournament. So, yeah, that one's the one I'll go with. Frankie? Yeah, it's tough. I'm, I'm going between the OKC uh, games because, again, yeah. we've seen what the Thunder look like this year. They're, I mean, again, they're a juggernaut most nights, and they've really struggled with the Kings right now, 0-2 in Sacramento this year. So I'm looking at both those games. Uh, the in-season tournament is impressive because they beat the Thunder without De'Aaron Fox. So I'm looking at that one right now. And then maybe like a, a runner-up would be Keegan Murray's 47-point game because that oh, just yeah. was, was insane. Just an in, insane uh, thing to see and, and being the building for the atmosphere was was incredible. Um, but that's my runner-up as well. But I'm looking at those OKC games, mostly the first one in the uh, in-season tournament because that was an impressive win for these guys. That game might feature a little bit later on in this conversation. This one might actually be simultaneously easy and difficult <laughs> because, boy, are there a a lot of – candidates three as we call them Wolotis or uh, worst losses of the year of the season um I'll submit Phoenix okay Phoenix to me is the worst loss of the year Jason um gosh there's a lot to your point Dave I'm gonna I, I was probably most frustrated by the home Charlotte loss yeah. I, I just thought they were they played just a low IQ game, um, played way too long with the game, thought they were going to win all along and got burned with a terrible final two minutes. Uh, I hated their performance against Charlotte. Yeah. So are the rules, can I not pick any of the games you guys just picked? Is that how it goes? You can if you'd like. Okay. Well, I'm I'm saying, I'm saying Phoenix. I'm going to say that's to me the worst loss of the season. I think that 22 point lead with eight minutes left is, 
is incredible. On the heels of a game in Milwaukee, the Kings had a four-point lead at the free throw line with, I think, 18 seconds left. That's also just an incredible feat to lose a game like that. But I agree, Jason, that Charlotte game was one that coming into it, they, they really kind of needed it just to kind of get get things right, and, and it, just, it didn't work out. Like you said, that the game was just a three-, five-point game the whole time. And Indiana was, was kind of similar as far as the Kings were just kind of hanging around trying to wait to – to make their run, and they, they never did. They never made their run and until the game was pretty much over. But that Suns game is just, uh, again, it's that game and, and the one a couple of years ago when D'Angelo Russell helped bring the Nets back from 27 down the fourth. Those are the two games I'm thinking of that stick out to, to most stunning Kings losses I've seen over the past couple of years. I would say honorable mention goes to uh, at Portland. Uh, also, for me, uh, the sneaky one. Uh, is December 4th, home, New Orleans, national TV, a chance to go to Vegas, and you just absolutely get boat raced in front of your home fans. Uh, all right, best three players this season. Uh, I've been going first. That's easy. Uh, Frankie, why don't you go first, and then we'll rotate to Jason. Yeah, I, I think as far as the best three players that they performed this year, uh, I'm saying number one is Demonis Sabonis. I mean, again, what, he, what he's been doing this year consistently, uh, tonight he's going for, I think it's 24 fifth straight double-double. He's about to take the league lead in triple-doubles with another one tonight. I think he'd tie Nikola Jokic for the lead. Uh, just doing incredible things. And then the fact that he's not more heavily mentioned in, in the race for being an all-star is, is pretty crazy. Again, we, 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 we try to ask ourselves why that is every year, and I, there's no answer why guys like Demonis Sabonis aren't um, just really clearly in, in the lead to be all-stars. Again, if, if this was happening, I think, in any other situation, I think, like any other market, it's hard for me not to believe that he'd be higher on that vote list as well. Um, but I'm looking at DeBonis Sabonis as number one. De'Aaron Fox been having a great season, number two. And it's really tough for three between Malik Monk and Keegan Murray. But um, I'm going to go with Malik Monk just because he's taking this a clear step as toward becoming a true six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's, he's a reliable player off the bench for the Kings, closing games. Um, so I'm going with Sabonis, Fox, and Monk as my top three this year. It's my three, too. That's the exact one I'd have. I mean, uh, Keegan's yeah. the other name, but right. that's my three. I'm going to switch in Keegan for Monk only because I think, and this is no disrespect to anything Monk's doing, and you guys are probably right. Uh, I, I just think the future relies a lot more on Keegan. Uh, I do. And and I think, like you said, that 47-point outburst, the defense, uh, I, I think he has the opportunity to be the best two-way player on this team, along with De'Aaron Fox, and, uh, and that's something. All right, most disappointing, Jason, the three most disappointing players this will be very interesting i think two are incredibly simple uh the third kind of like uh uh the best might be uh, open for debate um i'm gonna have harrison barnes yep um i i yeah it's gonna be harder i was i was maybe more recency bias he's played a lot better lately but yeah he's probably up there because i mean that's been a disappointing position they've had to tweak that out um my third one might be a little bit of a surprise but i'm gonna say sasha mm-hmm just because based on hype, based on, you know, an MVP status, how much they really coveted him. And, I, again, the season's not over, but sure. we're at the halfway point, and I think he's underperformed at least maybe to what I thought he would be this year. There's plenty of other candidates, but that's the three I'd go with. I agree with you on the first two. Um, and, and by the way, Herter showing signs of turnaround. Let's yeah. hope that continues into tonight. Let's remember Kevin Herter revenge game against that right. one. Right? Uh, I, I hear you on Sasha. I do. Um, but I'm going to go with Davion Mitchell. Okay. Uh, Davion Fair. Mitchell has gone from, you know, our super sub defender future. I'm really, really surprised with him. He he has fooled me. And by the way, he has a lot of career left. 
We can't write the book on Davion Mitchell yet. But his work ethic, you see the signs and his ability to penetrate the jumper, uh, his his film sessions with Chris Paul, his tenacity. I was, I've was i really been wrong about Davion Mitchell. I've been very high on him since they drafted him and thought that at this point he'd be just begging to get in the start. I, either be begging to get in the starting lineup with his play or be a prime candidate to, to trade off and, and build. And he he's half off the team. Yeah. So that, that would be my three. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at the same list of names you guys are. I mean, Harrison Barnes, obviously, it's it's weird looking at his numbers because they're not obvious. They're not horrible. I mean, 47 from the field and 39 from three, but the 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 volume is just not there. Seven attempts per game. The rebounds are too low. I, I just think that he needs to bring more to the table as a starter. That's that's the main conversation I think on on Kings Twitter and whatnot is should the Kings make a, a change and HB's got to be up there. Kevin Herter, like you said, Dave, he's definitely starting to turn it around and show signs of life. He's someone though that has been a disappointment so far this year as far as where he was last year. Um, you know, a significant decline across the board in all categories. And then, yeah, I agree. I think with, with Davion Mitchell, he, again, a, a young guy in, in the NBA, and maybe he will go somewhere and, and find out um, if he can tap into his full potential. But we're, we're getting to the point where it's time to start questioning, you know, that draft pick. There was a lot of good players taken after his spot in the draft, and it just seems like maybe this isn't really the right fit or right situation for Davion. I mean, he's not getting any minutes right now, and it, it seems like his name is attached to most rumors we're seeing out there and most reports. And um, to someone I think I expected a lot more out of, too, because of what we heard about the work he put in with this three-point shot in, in, in the offseason. I think he was working with Stephen Curry's uh, shot coach, and he's at 24% this year. So that wasn't really the step forward he was open to take. But, um, yeah, we could see some changes made in the future here, and I think Davion wouldn't surprise me if he's one of them. Um, but, again, like you said, young player. But those are my three I'm looking at. HB, Herter, and Mitchell. Um, and just a quick thing on Sasha, I do think that if he got more run, maybe his numbers would reflect that. Because mm. it, it seems like the shots do go down when, they, when, when he's in games and he cuts very well off the ball and, and whatnot. But, yeah, again, not, not the impact a lot of people were expecting when, when he was signing the offseason. Frankie Cardicelli, Sacramento Kings insider for Sacktown Sports. Read him, follow him on Twitter, hear him on the station, a multimedia mogul. Frankie, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. I appreciate you. Thank Take you. care. We'll take a break. When we come back, four down territory. Uh, there's first down, and then we're going to go with second down. Mm-hmm. Third down after that, but you know what, Jason? We're not punting. No. We're going for it. We're going for it. Uh, also, in the 844 segment, somewhere around there, uh, actually the next segment, at some point, we got tickets to go see Brooks and Dunn because you know what they say. We know you love your sports, mm-hmm. but uh, if you want yourself some country music, 1051 KNCI. Go tune into our good friends, Pat, Tom, and Cody. We'll take a break. When we come back, Four Down Territory next. And purple. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on your local sports leader, Sacktown Sports. All right, I, I need a quick ruling from the two of you because I'm having a crisis of conscience. 
My daughter yesterday was in the garage practicing for like this dance routine she has to do at school with her, her choir or whatever. And so she was, she had her phone up and she was filming it so she could, you know, go back and look at how she was. And like literally three seconds into it, she goes to like kick back and do a spin and she kicks right, <laughs> she kicks right into the coffee table. <laughs> And, she, and I and she showed me the video and I instantly sent it to myself and I can't stop watching it and laughing because, you know, it's just a little kid dancing. And then all of a sudden she here, Jason, tell me if this is funny or not. Sorry, no. you are showing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you showed the YouTube audience. I did. Wow. Oh, I did. I mean, oh, I did. I mean, come on. If you it, like, if she was in like, if she was really hurt, obviously it wouldn't be funny. right. But she was like, she wasn't even hurt at all, was she? No, she was. She had like a little bruise on her ankle. Oh. She came. It looked like she just stopped to restart it. Or she something. stopped to turn it off because she was embarrassed. <laughs> then rolls right into the living room. We're all watching. Uh, it was a Baltimore game at the time. We're all, my my wife's son and I are all watching, and she just plops on the couch doing the Peter Griffin. Ah. And I felt bad because I'm like, nobody asked her what's wrong. Yeah. It's attention time. And then it turns out she actually had a real, you know, thing. And it's funny. It's I think it's funny. I don't think it's funny she got hurt. But if you can't laugh. Surprised she, she you haven't posted it. <sighs> you want to. I, I really do, but I can't. I can't. There's, I, I, there's a line. It's a very thin line for me. But, yeah, I don't think I can do that. So. What's the age where you just don't do it? You mean like how old or how young? How old? Or is it just because it's your daughter? It's just because it's my daughter, honestly. Because I've seen that video of Mason face planning. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I don't know why that's different, but he was very little and it was a face plant. Uh, I got suspended on Facebook once. Actually, I actually posted a. My daughter was singing the toilet song when she was like two, and so I did a little video, and she's on her little little potty, her little ki- you know the little one, the one that you teach them to go potty on. It's not even a real toilet. Uh, and she would no, uh, she, uh, she was doing uh sitting on the toilet, sitting on the toilet. Now flush. You remember that one? No, it was a big hit back in the uh, mm, gross. Uh, yeah, and um, I posted it on Facebook like, oh, it's so cute. And Facebook's more for a little less than Twitter, more family. I got suspended mm. for child nudity. I swear to God, that's, I got suspended for like two weeks and had to petition me. It's my daughter. It's not, and I felt like a sicko explaining myself. It didn't show anything. It's a, it's a cute little kid thing. And anyway, Sicko. That's me. Uh, if you can't laugh at your kids in pain, what can you laugh at? Four down territory now. First down, Chris Verlaude. Four down territory starts new. The Raiders have decided to go with Antonio Pierce with Harbaugh and Belichick still out there. Will the silver and black regret this? Yeah, this was a big conversation piece amongst Raider Nation uh, to watch. Because on one hand, it's, you know, they looked more engaged under him. Uh, it's who all the players wanted and were very vocal about it. I think in hindsight, Mark Davis would have gone with Rich Bisaccia, but he didn't. 
And at some and, and Mark Davis listened to his players, plus the fact that AP had him look better. And by the way, how do we know that he's not the next? We don't know that he's not the next Bill Belichick. We don't know that he's not the, the next Jim Harbaugh. We don't know that. The answer here is a cop-out, which is time will tell. He better be good because if either of these guys go on to other teams and have a lot of success and the Raiders are sitting next year at, you know, 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight or worse, you get a lot of people saying, well, next time maybe don't listen to your players, stupid. Yeah. What I can't figure out is that player buy-in. Is that because Antonio Pierce is truly that or is he just not Josh McDaniels? Uh. Can it be both? Maybe. A little bit of both, maybe? Yeah, it could be. And you, it just makes you wonder, though. It's like, that's not the only reason to hire a guy. Now, at the end, now, if it's his job, mm-hmm. which it is now, like, he's got to be a difference maker. I mean, it, coaching at the highest of levels is difficult. And we'll see how he does. But I, I don't know that they'll regret the not hiring the others, but they might regret the overall hire. I mean, they might. But like you said, time will tell. We don't, we don't know. It's a really salient point you bring up because, you know, let's put it in our world. If I came into work every day with you and you were just the worst person and I'd go home and tell my wife, God, Jason Ross, just, I can't. I mean, let, well, so no what's one, the what if? No one's gonna, no one's, no one's gonna believe that it would that you would do that. Let's make up a name. If That's I was fine. working Maybe with somebody, I was working with a guy named I don't know Keith Brooks, let's say every day, and he and I worked together, and I hated it, and he hated it, and we just butted heads every day, and then you replaced him with the dog. I'd be like, oh my god, the dog is the best ever. What a great radio partner. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm not calling AP the dog. He's a legit NFL coach. Right. But to your point, how much of that is player buy-in results, and how much of it is we hired not Josh McDaniel. Exactly. Sounds, yeah, sounds like an election. All right, second down. Favorite moment of the divisional playoff weekend. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown. I, I'm being biased. That was my favorite moment. Um, that was great. That was neat. That was wonderful. Uh, there were, you know, there were a few others. Um, but that's the one for me. Which one of his two? The long one? The, one, the last one. Oh, the last the one. Last the one. Game yeah, sorry. The final touchdown, yeah. Because the other one was pretty cool, too. When yes, he's running, it was. He's looking up at the big board to see if anybody could catch him. I so It's so funny you said that. I'm sitting on the I'm, – or I'm watching the game with my friends – and I actually say, I say, I love it when players are looking up at the board yeah. to see what the coverage is behind yeah. them. It's so... It's like, they're not going to catch me. That's such a cool move, yeah. man. Did you yell that at the Packers fans? It was like, ha ha, look at the board, you're not going to catch him. But they saw it earlier than you. Yes, they did. Yeah. Wait, I'll save this for a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that coming up? It's Destiny coming up. Creek? I think okay. it is. All right. Okay, third down, please. Least favorite moment of the divisional playoff weekend. Okay, well, honorable mention. I'm not going to be a homer, but honorable mention. I'm Debo Samuel. I, I, hurt, I hurt my shoulder. I hope he's okay. Yeah. We need him. That's honorable mention because, okay. honestly, my least favorite moment could have also been my favorite moment. But seeing Sean McDermott go for it and – faked that punt with DeMar Hamlin. I just felt like it was forced. He was reading, He was looking for a moment. I don't know that consciously it had anything to do with what's happened to DeMar Hamlin, but obviously 
Had DeMar Hamlin been able to get the first down there and the Bills had gone on to win the game, it, it like that's your that's the end of the Disney movie. Like, and then as the credits are rolling, it's like the Bills went on to win the Super Bowl, you know, whatever it is, right? But that's the final moment. Like, they're lifting him up and carrying him off and they, on their shoulders and all that. That's not what happened. This is real life, and uh, it ain't no Disney movie. I didn't like that moment. It made me feel kind of kind of oogie. Yeah, I had the same feeling in the same game um, about the missed kick. I don't like it when game. I mean, it's weird. I know that's their job. Um, I'd rather see someone make like an incredible play to win a game, and it didn't lose them the game, but it could have forced overtime. And just, I don't like it when it's put on a kicker. I don't like, yeah, I don't either. And, you know, Tyler Bass. And I have nothing, no, I didn't care if the Bills won or the Chiefs won. I just, I didn't like that. And Tyler Bass is going to be the one that is is taking all the blame. And I'll, I'll never forget, I hope somebody goes up to him. I did that once in Little League, which is like the same thing. I made a bad play. I made an error. We lost a random Little League game. And I'll never forget, though, what our, our manager said to me. Because I was, like, crying. I was, like, nine. And he was like, "You got to make the play." He slapped me in the face. Yeah. No, you know what he said, and it's not like he made this up, but it super made sense. He's like, "You taking the blame?" He goes, "Do you realize how selfish that is?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" And you know, I didn't understand what he was saying. He said, "You taking the blame? Like, you really think you lost us the game? So when we win, are you going to take all the credit for winning? Or is is that because we win and lose as a team? So when we win and you have a great game, are you going to go over and tell everybody that you're the one? You're the one. You're the reason we won because that's basically what you're doing Who do you right now. You think you are? I, I am. am. Isn't today the anniversary of that? By the is way, it? I think today's the anniversary of that. I saw that clip earlier. Yeah, I was just randomly rolling around. Uh, fourth down, please. Are these the four best teams left? Um, a qu- quick question for clarification, Jason. Are we saying are these the two best NFC and AFC teams? Or are we saying these are these the four best total teams? Mm, uh, good question. I don't know. Okay, well <laughs> let's let's divide it into conferences. Yes, I think it is. I don't think there's a better NFC team. The only one I would say is Philadelphia, and they certainly didn't prove it. I, I I'll take Detroit over Dallas. Um, obviously the Niners, yeah, and then the, the Ravens are the one seed. Kansas City is the defending champions, and they took out the Buffaloes. I'm taking these four. Yeah, so if it was like the BCS and this, this is our final four. That's it. Yeah. This is it. This Pretty is the, good. This is the final four. There's no real surprise. Again, 1-3, one, 1-3. Three, one, three. It's not like it's stunning. Um, you know, Green Bay didn't beat the Niners. If they right. did, that would have been surprising. But they did. So, yeah, it's – it's a pretty good final group, that's for sure. Hearing some noise about Debo Samuel, I just can't find it. Uh, here's Adam Schefter two hours ago saying it's 50-50 as to whether uh, wide receiver Debo Samuel will be able to play against the Lions due to the shoulder injury he suffered. Am I just am I missing? Because I've had a couple people say that they did a scan and he didn't have a hairline fracture, but have you seen that? I have not. I, I have not seen that either, so if someone's got a link on that, let us know. Uh, we should know that. We should have exclusive. Maybe Matt Barrels will know. Cameras. Uh, yeah, he slated for more tests on the shoulder. Uh, and the Niners are hoping uh, he didn't suffer the same injury. And that's the last time Schefter talked about it. Uh, and that was uh, yesterday at 4.03 in the morning. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, who's hot? Who's not? We'll recap the pick six. We got a new three in the key. 
And we'll take the fifth caller, 1-800-920-1140. Brooks and Dunn tickets available for you. Toyota Amphitheater this summer. We've got your chance to win them. Courtesy of Live Nation at the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline right now. 1-800-920-1140. Fifth caller. We'll be right back. What's hot? Yeah, hot. Real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company, and second opinion partner. Oh, yes. Hot. Well, let me tell you before you get started, Chris, uh, thanks to our uh, friend, uh, tall Chinese guy. That's his uh, name on Twitter. His real name is Kevin. Uh, he sent this link to David Lombardi, uh, who said uh, earlier this morning, Debo Samuel update, no hairline fracture in his shoulder per Sunday's testing. Kyle Shanahan will speak this afternoon. And then we also heard it's a 50, 50 shot. If, if he, speaking of shot, <laughs> shots, mm. if I got to think if it's not a hairline fracture. Debo's taking the shot. He's, yeah. They're going to shoot him up Whatever with he needs. God knows what, and he's going out there, and just having him out there, even as a decoy, uh, is fantastic. No offense to uh, Juwan Johnson. Uh, who is hot? Chance. It's attention time. That's why I paused. I paused mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to get it wrong, and I always do. Who's hot? Patrick Mahomes. Hey. 27 to 24 win over the Buffalo Bills. Patrick Mahomes is going to his sixth straight AFC championship game. Is that good? Mahomes has been a starter for the Chiefs for six seasons. So Mahomes has been a starter. Every year he's been a starter, he's gone to the AFC championship game. That's pretty, pretty, pretty yeah, darn yeah. good. Okay. Well, who's not? The Nets. They lost to the Clippers 125 to 114 yesterday. They were outscored. 22 to nothing to close out the game and did not score another point with five and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Boy, you know what I think? I think Mikael Bridges needs a new, uh, I think he needs a new team. Don't you? It's time. I, I, I think it's time. Come on over. Uh, by the way, we don't have the time uh, right now, but at some point we're going to get into uh this is the 31st, 30, yeah, 31st anniversary of this. All right, are we all ready? Uh-oh. Here we go. Oh, 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 say can. All right, we'll do the rest of that later. Oh. <laughs> when you hear that. He ran the 100 faster than that. It's the first thing you think of. Oh, sorry. I think of Charlie Steiner. Oh, <laughs> Francis, what uh, is it? Off key. Francis Scott off key. <laughs> Let's recap the pick six, please, uh, if you will. Uh, Jason Ross, how did we do over the weekend? Well, we had some predictions, and some were so good. <laughs> pretty good. What were they? Yeah. Oh, we had some predictions. We did. First San Francisco 49er to score. Make points in the game. You said Moody. Always do. I said Kittle. Chris said CMC. CMC. It, it, it was Kittle. Hey, that Who guy. Who do you think you are? I am. You are. That uh, was had... February 26, 2012. What was? The Who do you think you are? I am. Oh, that was? Oh, this isn't the anniversary. It was just floating around. 
leading receiver in their yards. Dave, you said Ayuk for 81. I said McCaffrey for 77. Chris said Kittle for 83. The correct answer was Kittle for 81. Sounds like Kittle is the pick so far. Yes. Okay, everyone's got one. Uh, McCaffrey yards, rushing yards. Dave, you said 74. Chris said 92. I said 101. He had 98. Jason Ross. Who do you think you are? You are. I am. Uh, halftime score. Dave, you had 15-10 San Francisco. Uh-huh. I had 21-9 San Francisco. Chris said 17-9 San Francisco. 7-6 San Francisco. I think that's you, Dave. I finally am on the board. Yeah. I'm on the board. Yes. Yes. Uh, final score. Dave, you had 35-24 Green Bay. You were way off. That yeah, was. Um, I had 31-16 San Francisco. Chris had 27-16 San Francisco. I think it's Chris. I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was, kind of. And lastly, a random stat. Yeah. Something that you thought might happen. In this I honestly game. can't remember what I said. You're going to like yours. Okay. I uh, Chris said there would be a safety in the game. Uh-uh. There was not. It was not. There was a bunch all game long. <laughs> I said there would be a defense or special team score for the 49ers. Ooh, so cool. He tried, though. He tried. He was trying to help He was out. trying. Dave, you had a very specific random stat, and it reads here, two Jordan Love interceptions. Right on. Right on the money. Yeah. Dave Stradamus strikes again. Boom. It's attention time. It is attention time. We'll take a break. We'll hey. do three in the key at later. 927. Yeah, uh, later. When, well, yeah, later. Who do you think you are? Matt is. Matt Barrows. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about this big, big, barely win. <laughs> but it's enough for the Niners. Matt Barrows from The Athletic joins us next.